Knowing how to speak and understand a new language can be an invaluable tool when traveling, meeting new friends, or just even to master a new skill. But it's not always simple when you're bogged down by textbooks and structure classes. That's why so many people trust Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program, available on desktop or as an app. It truly immerses you in the language you want to learn, like Spanish, French, Italian, Chinese, and more. You won't just be studying English translations. The Rosetta Stone intuitive process helps you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com rs10. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com rs10 today. Welcome back to the Swamp 24-7 Podcast. I'm Thomas Goldcamp here with Blake Alderman. We are breaking down Florida's game against South Carolina this weekend. The Gators coming off a loss to LSU and looking to bounce back. Blake, obviously this is going to be a big weekend for Florida. It's the last game the Gators have before the bye. It's the first of four SEC East games. Uh, This is the part of the schedule where Florida, it's about to get thick and, you know, uh, to to rip on Kirby Smart a little bit. uh, That's when you got to get going, right? Yeah, exactly. Um, I guess first off, let's go ahead and dive into some of the matchups. That's kind of what we like to do on this Thursday episode of the podcast. Um, I guess let's start with the Florida offense against South Carolina's defense, because obviously that's where Georgia tripped up last weekend. Uh, The Bulldogs turned it over several times, and, and South Carolina's defense, I thought, really played, I think, better than people maybe expected in that game. Blake, what does Florida have to do offensively in your mind to kind of set the tone in this one? You know, I think this is really the game where they're going to have to continue. I, you know, I, I feel like the passing game has been very impressive. I think whenever you see the body of work that Kyle Trask has done so far, um, you know, especially on the road last week and throwing over for 300 yards, um, you know, I think that the passing game, I expect it to continue. Um, Florida really is just going to need to run the ball here, I, I you know, and avoid those turnovers. Um, because like you said, Georgia turned the ball over a lot and it really kept South Carolina in the game. So I think Florida really needs to continue to kind of clean up those turnovers. Um, they were much better in that aspect, I thought, against LSU compared to mm-hmm. some of these other games. But um, yeah, you know, I think it could really help them a lot too to, you know, get the get the O line going and getting some running lanes open and, and getting that ball running. I think that uh like you said, you know, it's kind of reset for Florida. They have all these SEC East games coming up. Really haven't had success with running the ball, and I think that uh you know, you're going to have to eventually you're going to have to wake up. And I think this is I, I expect I just feel like from watching the season, Mullen just continues to try to run the ball. And I think that if you can get some success there this coming weekend, I think it, it could possibly be a bright spot as they kind of carry that over into the big chunk. Yeah, well, we kind of talked about, you know, going into LSU game. I think that's one of the reasons I picked, you know, Florida to kind of lose that game was I wasn't sure that the offense could really play safe and just avoid turning the ball over. And like you said, I thought Florida did a really good job of that. You know, Kyle Trask played very safe with the football. You know, obviously had the one interception late, but that, you know, that's in a situation when you're down there trying to make a play, trying to keep your team in the game. I didn't have a problem with that pick. You know, we we didn't see the sloppy turnovers like we saw against Miami, you know, against Kentucky, you know, some of these other, sorry, Auburn, you know, some of these games where Florida really just 
basically handed it to the opponent and really kept them in the game. I thought Florida cleaned that up, and I think you're going to have to do that against South Carolina. You know, Will Muschamp's defense, they kind of feed off those turnovers. You know, if you're looking at the numbers, this probably isn't as sound a South Carolina defense as you're maybe used to seeing under Will Muschamp. Um, I think the one area that stands out to me is South Carolina's pass defense has given up like 259 yards per game. Um, that's not very good. And the way Florida throws the ball, I mean, Florida's averaging close to 300 a game. Uh, so I look at that on paper and I say, okay, this is this is one of those games where I think Florida's offense, if they just score enough, Florida wins this game. You know, I, going against a Will Muschamp offense on the other side with a quarterback that's banged up, I don't see the Gamecocks being able to score that much. To me, this this is one of those games where I feel like, you know, if you can get to, you know, 24, 27 points, you probably win the game. So I think the question is, how, how can Florida do that? You know, USC is only averaging uh, about 20 points per game against their FBS opponents. So, like I said, I think I think for Florida in this one, the goal is more you set a target, you know, where you go out there and you score 24 or 27, however you do that. I think if you're Dan Mullen looking at this offensive matchup, I think you keep your foot on the gas early on and really try to, you know, dictate the, the pace of this game to South Carolina. You know, I think another thing, too, just looking at the weather, there's a 100% chance of rain. Um, yeah. It's supposed to be a pretty gloomy day for a football game. So, you know, I, I whenever I speak of running the ball, um, you know, they obviously they've had a weakness there uh, defending the pass. So um, not a good, not good uh, weather um, for a team that has struggled with these turnovers. So hopefully that's not a big factor for Florida because that, that's going to be something to, for them to watch. Yeah, see, I like the way this game sets up in terms of the schedule. You know, like Florida coming off the LSU loss. I feel like if they had beaten LSU, I think they're more likely to, like, you know, kind of sleepwalk into this game, so to speak, or or maybe just not take Carolina fully seriously. Already looking when, ahead to Georgia. Yeah, I think when you're coming off a loss to LSU, and then also the fact that South Carolina just beat Georgia— Florida's not going to be looking ahead. Like Florida's going to be ready for this game, locked in, you know. So I like it from that standpoint. But then, like you said, the weather looks absolutely disastrous. I guess I haven't really paid attention other than looking at the forecast. But I guess it's some kind of tropical system coming through, uh, where they're talking like a hundred percent chance of rain Saturday, and and maybe as much as like an inch of rain. Uh, so I know, I know for one, I'm not looking forward to the. You know, South Carolina is one of those places when you visit on the road. The uh, the media parking lot is like super far away from the stadium. It's like a mile, mile and a half walk, something like that. So I'm already like dreading that walk, you know, in the, in the bring rain a boat in with the you? mud. Yeah, yeah. I might have to, man, bring a little kayak or something. But yeah, I mean, that that could be a significant factor because I think, like you said, we're looking at it and Florida should be should have a significant advantage in the passing game against South Carolina. But if it's pouring all day, you know, that could disappear real quick. And I think that definitely plays into South Carolina's hands because you know Will Muschamp wants to keep it a low-scoring game and be able to run the ball, and you know that that's not really what Florida's done well. So that's definitely going to be worth watching. I'm I'm kind of hoping that you know we're done with media availability this week, so I'm kind of hoping that somebody on on Dan Mullen's radio show tonight is able to ask him that question and see if he's thought about that at all, or you know whether or not weather could impact this game, because uh, yeah, that's not a that's not a trivial factor there. There's a lot of matchups here that I think are pretty interesting too. You know, aside from the rain, um, one guy that really has jumped out to me just from watching South Carolina is Javon Kinlaw. I mean, that guy is a beast. Like, I, I think that yeah. Florida's offensive line is really going. You know, every week I feel like it's the same song and dance. Man, Florida's about to play a really tough defensive line. Yeah, they have to right. be ready. I mean, it's like Wash. Welcome Reeves. to the SEC. So I think that he's going to be a, a big time guy for them to really key on. Um, I, I think that. Uh, 
at least jumping out to me as far I, I think what John Hevesy compared him to Carlos Dunlap earlier yeah, this week did. during media yeah. com- availability. So um, that's pretty high praise. I mean, that, that's going to be a guy they're going to have to worry about. Yeah, I think especially, you know, given the way that South Carolina uses him, I mean, he's a six foot six, 310 pound guy. I know Emory Jones was, uh, you know, we talked to him, I think it was Tuesday, and he was kind of looking, he had had a chance to look at the film at that point. And really the first thing he said when we asked him what stands out about South Carolina is he's like, their defensive line is huge. And I think it starts with Kinlaw. You know, he's obviously the, the really disruptive guy. Maybe dealing with a slight injury. Uh, we had heard that a little bit from from some sources. And uh, we asked Will Muschamp and uh, I think Bob, actually, Bob Redman, who works for 12247 with us, uh, had asked Will Muschamp on the teleconference call about any injury to Javon Kinlaw. And he was very short and just kind of snappy. Uh, said we have we have no injuries at all, so that that may be one to keep an eye on. If he's limited, that would obviously help Florida a lot. Um, but he's a guy that I think matchups wise, you know, when he's on the edge, is really going to be tough for for the tackles to deal with, um, and and has some flexibility to move around. You know, that's one thing about Will Muschamp's defenses; uh, they move guys around quite a bit. So he's going to be he's going to be one that uh, Florida definitely has to keep an eye on. Who are, linebackers, who are too. Linebackers, yeah, yeah. too, I think. I was is about be, to ask you, who are some In the guys? same aspect of last week where I thought that LSU's offensive line did a good job getting to the second level and kind of taking those linebackers out of the play, yeah. um, I think that's going to be the kind of the same ingredient that Florida's going to need to do this week because their linebackers can really, you know, it's a Will Muschamp defense. They're, they're going to play disciplined football, and they're going to play, um, you know, they're going to fill gaps, and they're going to, you know, play with, you know, like they're going to really try to stop the run. So I think that that's uh, another spot that they're going to really have to key on as well. You know, the name of the game with Will Muschamp is always defense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you look at those guys, Ernest Jones and TJ Brunson, you know, Brunson had some really big plays in that Georgia game. I know for sure. Uh, those guys have combined for like 94 tackles this season in the middle. So it's going to be tough. I think for Florida to run it up the middle, I will say that particularly in the second half against LSU, I thought we started to see some signs from Florida's offensive line. Uh, particularly with the zone blocking where guys were really doing a good job comboing at the first level and then getting to the linebackers. And, uh, you know, there was the one drive that went down into the LSU student section, you know, down towards the the yellow end zone there where I really thought they got it going. I thought LaMichael P. Ryan really hit some nice runs in there where really for the first time all year you saw Florida's linemen, you know, consistently getting off their combo blocks and getting to the second level. And when you talk about Brunson and Jones, you know, those are guys that if you don't do that, uh, they're going to wreck plays at the line of scrimmage. So particularly in a game where you may have to rely on the running game more than you want to because of the weather, that's going to be a huge key in this game, I think. Um, I get the vibe that Emory Jones is going to be a really big factor in helping this run game. I mean, I know that there was a lot there was a lot of you know steps in the right direction, like you just mentioned in the LSU game, but just hearing you kind of break down this defense and how the linebackers and their defensive line, I feel like Emory Jones is going to have to be kind of a catalyst for this run game. Yeah, I think no doubt. I mean, he's he's the one guy that really has proven capable of running the read option, and that's how you slow down linebackers. That's how you you know you leave a you know guys like Kinlaw kind of in the dust when you're reading you know defensive ends, and you kind of you you add a number to the box that the defense has to defend when your quarterback's a runner. I think absolutely he's going to be a huge factor in this game. I thought we saw him probably more against LSU than we had seen you know all year. I know he got 12 snaps, so maybe. Maybe he had played more snaps in a different game, you know, playing some mop-up role. But I thought in terms of, you know, the the spots that Florida was putting him in last week, I thought it really showed that Dan Mullen trusts him at this point. And I think you're going to need that, especially, you know, in a game where you might have to rely on the run and, and really slow down a pretty good front seven. I think that's a great point. Um, 
we'll see how Florida uses him. You know, ball security will be very, I think, important in this one. Like we talked about, Florida in, in a couple games this year has really turned it over and fumbled a lot. You know, if the ball's slick and, you know, it's really raining out, that's going to be something they really have to put a heavy emphasis on. And I'm, and I'm sure Florida's coaches are well aware of that and have checked out weather.com and, and know exactly what they're walking into. Blake, what about the secondary? Let's talk about that because obviously that's kind of Will Muschamp's calling card, uh, you know, really ever since he's been a defensive coordinator. He's always get, seems to have these big, long corners. Uh, I mean, I, I'm not surprising anybody when I say Israel Maku, Makuama. I, I let you take that. that one. I saw yeah, his yeah. name and I was like, ah, I'm going to let Thomas <laughs> yeah. take that one. Yeah, we'll just call him Israel, number 24. He he had the three picks against Georgia last week. Um, do you like the matchup against South Carolina secondary? I know the numbers the numbers look pretty good in terms of they give up a lot of yardage, but they have some pretty talented individual guys too. Yeah, I think you're always going to get the you know the name of the game with Muschamp again is defense, um, especially in the secondary. Um, you know he's obviously produced a lot of guys there, maybe not up to the same standard that what maybe Florida fans had seen during his time there. Um, obviously, a little bit of a different program, um, but I, you know I, I think whenever you Whenever you have a big game like he had last week, getting you know just all those interceptions, um, really kind of took the game over. I believe one of them he ran back for a, for a touchdown as well. So, um, you know, I don't necessarily feel like it's going to be a match that Florida. I, I would give the edge to Florida's wide receiver group. I think they're extremely deep and talented. Um, I think again, Kyle Trask has been very smart with the football to an extent. Um, so, you know, I, I think that they're going to get the better of them. You know, whenever you. Um, see how they've given up so many yards through the air. I know the turnovers can kind of throw a little bit of a wrench in there, and you know you don't really count those in there. But you know, I I, I think if I had to, if I was a betting man, I think I would see that Florida's offense and those deep wide receivers. I think they can get the best of that group. Yeah, I think the big thing is that they're vulnerable to the pass. You know, the Gamecocks give up a lot of passing yardage, but they're also pretty opportunistic. You know, I'm looking at it. You know, obviously number 24 had the huge week last week, but. South Carolina has five guys that have an interception at this point in the season. So, they, you know, there's a lot of guys that can make plays on the ball. They have seven guys that have multiple pass breakups. Uh, so they really do a good job getting hands on on the football. And that's something that I think, um, you know, could could play a factor in this game. Like I said, I, I'll take Florida's receivers against, uh, you know, pretty much anybody. I think that they're deep enough that they pretty much always have an answer, always have an option. But, you know, we'll, we'll see, I think. This, if there's ever a game where Florida's run game needed to get in sync, it's going to be this one. Um, having said that, you know, it's hard. It's hard even with the weather outlook to to fully discount Florida's passing game. They've just been so good. Kyle Trask has been so crisp, hitting the right open receivers. Uh, Will Muschamp, you know, he's going to challenge you up front, try to create pressure on the quarterback, and he's comfortable playing a lot of man defense in the back end. So you're going to most likely have some one on one matchups that you can target. I'd fully expect that Dan Mullen walks into this game knowing which ones those are. And, you know, I, I, I forget um, I forget the exact story, but, the, you know, the 2008, was it eight or nine, where they played in Tallahassee with Tim Tebow and the, the kind of uh, the paint game, you know, where he had the red paint all over him. I right. forget which year it was. But anyway, Dan Mullen walked into that game. They realized, you know, in the pregame that the weather was going to be a huge factor. And Dan Mullen's told the story within the last year probably at least twice um, about how he kind of looked at urban and said, Hey, uh, you know, I, I forget which way it went. It might've actually been passing. He was like, you know, it's raining a bunch, but we have the passing game. Um, whatever it was, he, he gauged it during the pregame and they changed their whole game plan pretty much based on, you know, whether or not they felt the weather was going to be a big factor. Um, so I'd expect him to get a, you know, a pretty good feel for that, you know, early in the game. It'll be, you know, one of the few times where I feel like I can actually contribute something of value watching the, uh, 
you know, the pregame warmups. Because, you know, if Florida's receivers are having no trouble catching the ball, even though it's raining, I wouldn't expect Dan Mullen to go away from the pass. You know, I think they're going to do whatever they feel comfortable with. And again, I think this is a game looking at the offense, you know, Florida's offense versus South Carolina's defense. Just get to 24, get to 27. If you do that, you're going to feel pretty good about your chances to win. Yeah, I would agree. I don't see this being a real shootout or anything like that. You know, maybe at least not a high scoring shootout if there is some back and forth there. Um, I expect this game to be pretty slow, pretty slow and almost probably like a disaster to watch just because, man, good football is not played in the weather. And well, see, that's the thing. I think slow favors South Carolina. So I, I think, you know, if it was a perfectly sunny day, I'd expect Dan Mullen to be throwing the ball all over the field, trying to get up and down quickly. You know, get as many drives as you can because you know that Florida is going to score on some of those. South Carolina, that's you know, that's much less clear, particularly with a banged up quarterback. Uh, but it'll be interesting to watch. Blake, I want to talk about the South Carolina offense against Florida's defense. We just mentioned, you know, Ryan Holinsky a little bit banged up. Let's go ahead and break down that matchup right on the other side of this commercial break. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news. You call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. All right, guys, thanks for staying tuned in. I'm Thomas Goldcamp here with Blake Alderman on the Swamp 24-7 podcast. We've kind of broken down the matchup between Florida's offense and South Carolina's defense. Let's flip it around. Let's look at the other side of the ball. Blake, I think when you're talking about South Carolina's offense, obviously the biggest question mark is probably Ryan Holinsky's health. He came out of the game against Georgia last week, had a, had a very, I don't know what you'd call it, it, it wasn't really a cast, but he had a huge, gigantic, brace on his knee uh didn't look like he was able to move around very much will muschamp you know of course always willing to play the 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 gamesmanship uh aspect has said so far that he's full go at practice this week but also that he hasn't been medically cleared whatever the hell that means um (laughs) he's got a leg (laughs) yeah he's got a leg exactly so blake what's your thought i mean obviously we're we're both we're not super plugged in on the south carolina side but we're so we're guessing to some degree but I mean, is Linsky going to play, and if so, do you expect him anywhere close to 100%? If he does play, I don't expect him to be 100%, just at the point of you know not getting cleared. I think you know it's hard to tell because a lot of times these coaches are playing chess um, right. with injuries and whatnot. So um, checkers uh, in Muschamp's case. Sure, there you go. <laughs> um, I, I don't know that I would. I, I could really have a big enough pulse to say that he's going to be 100% or he's going to, you know, be fully cleared or whatnot. But I expect him to be gimpy. You know, I, I expect him not to be 100%. Um, and f- if if he's there, you know, I think that 
Florida's really going to have to get after him because, I mean, if he's not 100%, you know, I think he could definitely, um, you know, make some mistakes. You know, those injuries, um, it's, it's just hard to kind of keep your focus whenever you're banged up and you're trying to, you know, make a play, but you know, maybe your body's just not quite there. So, um, you know, getting him in there, um, I, I think if you're Florida, you'd rather have a quarterback that's not full go as opposed to putting in one of those, um, you know, last week where they had their third string in and it was kind of, a, you know, ran all over Georgia and really kind of made things tough. Um, yeah. I think that, uh, you know, I expect him to be limited even if he does play. Well, and unfortunately for Florida, it looks like they're probably going to be without John Grenard and Jabari Zuniga again. Um, you know, that's not 100%. Uh, Dan Mullen has said both of those guys will be a game-time decision. But I think if you're looking at it, uh, particularly if it's, you know, conditions are going to be rough, you know, you, you don't want those guys playing on a sloppy, wet field knowing that, you know, You've got Georgia coming up. You know, you've got a tough Missouri team coming up where you're going to need those pass rushers. I just don't see those guys playing. And so to me, that really begs the question, you know, can Florida's other guys step up? Because frankly, they didn't against LSU. You know, Zach Carter was kind of, you know, hard to see any real impact that he made. Uh, Chris Bogle, I thought, had some good snaps. But again, he's just kind of light at this point. And uh, South Carolina does have a, a decent O-line. So, um it's going to put a lot of pressure on Florida to, you know, how do they want to scheme it? You know, does Todd Grantham want to start bringing some more exotic blitzes? They didn't do a whole lot of that against LSU. Uh, do you try to rattle Helensky and, you know, get him to, you know, throw some some balls into coverage, you know, maybe get a little uncomfortable in the pocket? Um, but if he can't go too, I think, you know, that, that could be just as big an issue for Florida because I think Florida has struggled with mobile quarterbacks and, you know, you're looking at DeKirion Joyner, and he's a guy that can move around. I mean, he was pretty impressive, I thought, from a quick twitch standpoint. You know, I don't I don't know that he always had success running the ball against Georgia, but certainly you saw the athletic ability there, and that's something that when you're talking about losing or not having guys like Renard and Zaniga, those are guys that play disciplined football, and that's what you have to do against mobile quarterbacks. Some of Florida's other guys a little less experienced, and you can't always count on them to set the edge, so... It's going to put a lot of pressure on Florida's front seven, I think, if Holinsky's banged up and doesn't end up playing a whole lot. Um, on the one hand, if he does play, you like to get after him. You try to go after him because he's not mobile. But on the other hand, if you got Joyner in there, you, you, it almost shifts the entire game plan from playing aggressive to, okay, we got to contain him and make sure he doesn't you know, break loose in the pocket. Yeah, definitely. And we, I mean, we've seen Mo Will Muschamp, you know, rely on r running that Wildcat quarterback type of offense before. Um, so... You know, I, I wouldn't be surprised if that's what the route they go. Um, obviously with Helensky, you know, going to be limited. Um, you know, it's just so hard it's just kind of seeing Florida's run defense. They just were not very good last week. And you miss Grenard and you miss Zuniga, like you said. Um, it's going to be a tough test for them because, you know, just kind of coming off the body of work last week and, and Florida's defense was just a totally different dynamic with those two guys out. So, um, you know, I, I kind of even look back to the Kentucky game last year um, where they really struggled with their run, you know, kind of mobile quarterback mm -hmm. too. So um, the linebackers, in the same sense, need to, you know, not get caught up in a lot of that, you know, kind of wash like they did against LSU because they're yeah. going to need to play that smart football if they're going to have a wildcat quarterback. Just because, you know, you get miss a block here, you get caught up somewhere. I mean, that guy could be gone. Well, Florida's tackles have to play better too. I thought, you know, that that was a spot that not a lot of people will necessarily focus on. You look at the linebackers and say, hey, why aren't they making plays? But the D tackles did a really bad job of keeping LSU's linemen off of those guys. You look at, if you kind of focus on Florida's linebackers in that LSU game, uh, there were so many plays where they had an offensive lineman hitting them four yards up the field. And it's just impossible to make a play at that point. Like at the very least, 
if you make a play, the, the running back's already gained four to five yards. And, you know, if you can't get off that block, they're into the secondary. And that's where we saw LSU's run game have a lot of success. I actually, you know, you mentioned the Wildcat. I, I kind of look at this, and it reminds me a lot of that Florida-South Carolina game in 2013, you know, where Florida was without Tyler Murphy. They had to start Skyler Morningweg, who, you know, obviously very different in the sense that Skyler Morningweg wasn't the guy running the Wildcat. But they ran Kelvin Taylor, I mean, it seemed like 100 times in that game. They And Will Muschamp's game plan was, hey, we're just going to try to, you know, grind this thing out and run Wildcat with Kelvin Taylor until it doesn't work. And eventually Steve Spurrier on the other sideline kind of figured it out that, he, okay, he really is just going to do that the whole game. So if we get ahead, we're good. Um, I think in the same way, you know, if you're Dan Mullen, that's that's what I'm talking about offensively. I think you get to a certain point threshold where you say, we score 24, we feel like they're going to have to press, they're going to have to get outside of what they want to do, um, and and that'll help. But Will Muschamp has proven, man, like in a sloppy game, like if it's rainy and he doesn't trust his quarterback, he'll run the Wildcat until you stop it. So, you know, it, it is gonna be, it's going to be a big test for Florida's front seven. Yeah, you just kind of come off that game last week, and it's just really hard to, uh, you know, it's just really hard to see how poor they did last week running. You know, I, I thought Florida, for the most part, this season has done a good job in their run defense, but last week was just, it was just terrible. Yeah, and I mean, they were so good against Auburn, too. So, you know, it, it's not that Florida's not capable of doing it. I think it's just... Um, you don't want to get into a pattern, I guess right, is my thing. Right, you, you, right, you know, exactly. Florida has been really solid all season. You just don't want this, I guess, kind of hangover to carry over. It, they really need to have a good week of practice and kind of get that game out of their head because you don't want to have that kind of hangover hang into the rest of the week. And I think a lot of it goes back to, you know, it's tough without Grenard and Zaniga. I mean, those are two all-conference players. And um, I, I think there's some positive in the sense that Florida's at least now played a game without both of those guys. Um, because you've been without Zaniga for a while, but you hadn't been without Grenard, and he's been gutting it out even with the ankle injury. Uh, he's still been extremely effective, and Florida doesn't have anybody that's that effective. So, okay, now when you don't have those guys, how do you adjust around it? And we're really going to see, I think, Todd Grantham, uh, he's going to earn his paycheck this week because he's. I think he's going to have to scheme around not having those two, um, and and it won't be easy. Blake, I guess we should talk a little bit about South Carolina's receivers. Again, don't necessarily know that the passing game is going to have a huge impact for either side, given the weather conditions expected Saturday. But Brian Edwards is obviously one of the better, probably more underrated receivers in the SEC. Certainly a guy that can go and win some one-on-ones. Shai Smith's pretty good, too. But when you look at this group, I don't think it's quite as good as what Florida faced against LSU last week. Absolutely. I think that that was probably one of the better receiver groups last week that they're going to see all season. Um, but you know, the secondary has, has made some mistakes and I thought they, um, overall the body of work last week against LSU wasn't quite there. Um, I I was a little disappointed in seeing CJ Henderson last week, just kind of all the hype. I mean, he made some plays, you know, obviously Mm -hmm. he, he, you know, he didn't just get beat the entire game. Um, but you know, they're going to have to really key in and kind of bounce back this week. I expect South Carolina's South Carolina's run game to be more of a factor, but they have capable guys, so they need to be ready as well. Yeah, and I think the the one thing I'm interested in in the secondary is does the move that Florida made moving Marco Wilson to the slot, you know, to that nickel spot for trading, does that does, does that continue this week? Um, I don't know that South Carolina again is going to necessarily target much in the passing game, um, but if Florida comes out, Marco Wilson's you know in at that nickel spot above trading, I think that's going to be pretty interesting because that would be I think the the most significant shift we've probably seen in really in either starting lineup. Um, other than, you know, the quarterback change that was forced out of necessity. Florida, for the most part, has lined up the same guys all year. That would be the first personnel change that we maybe see going forward. 
But uh, Blake, I guess let's go ahead and let's get into the keys to the game. Uh, I didn't actually list any score predictions when we were kind of talking about the the podcast beforehand, but uh, I can give one. So uh, first off, I guess let, let's break down the keys to the game. What we've we've talked about the rain a lot. We expect that to be a big factor. Given that, what does Florida have to do to beat USC? I think they have to limit the turnovers. Whenever you have a, you know expecting kind of a sloppy environment um, that could or could not hamper their passing game. Um, I think you're gonna have to hold on to the ball. I think that's kind of been a little bit of their, uh, you know, problem. Obviously, you know, the fumbles and and you know interceptions here and there. So, um, if you turn it over and you, and you keep South Carolina in the game, that's gonna kind of contribute to this slow, gritty type of game that I think South Carolina is gonna want to play. So, really holding on to the ball, um, and I think that the run run game is gonna have to be a big factor for Florida too. If if again, if the passing game's not there, if the weather's bad, you're gonna have to find some way to move the ball on the ground. Yeah, I think I think those are all good points. I think, you know, I see this one. We always talk about tempo with Dan Mullen because Dan Mullen, he's cool with running a slow game and eating the clock if he thinks that's what it's going to take to win. He's also cool going very up-tempo and creating a lot of offensive possessions if he thinks that's what it'll take to win. I see this one being Florida. Florida's focus going in is to score. You know, score. Make South Carolina keep up with you. And to do that, I think you need to keep South Carolina from running all over you. It's kind of like we talked about. You know, if you turn the ball over, all of a sudden you give South Carolina another drive. That's another couple minutes off the clock. That's, you know, that's it, it really shortens the game to me. Uh, so turnovers are going to be huge. I think you, you said that. Don't turn it over. Um, but I also think Florida has to force more three and outs. Um, and that starts with the run fits being on point on first and second down. You can't give South Carolina a bunch of third and shorts because they will convert, you know, their fair share. Um, I think I, I really look at the the run game, I think, being the key to this one. Um Probably more so from the sense of Florida needs to shut down South Carolina's run game than Florida has to get its own run game going. Um, but the Gators are going to have to slow down that South Carolina run game. If you can do that and force a handful of three and outs throughout the game, you're going to extend you know, the amount of time that you have to work with offensively to kind of build that lead and force South Carolina to press in this game. Yeah, I agree. I think the run game, both of us, we kind of agree that that's going to have to be the big factor there. Not only Florida's run game, but also stopping that run game. Um, you know, especially, I, I would be very surprised if they didn't pull out Joyner and have that, uh, you know, kind of Wildcat-esque type of uh, offense that they show out there. So yeah, not having Greener, not having Zuniga more than likely in the game, I think is going to be a real test for Florida. All right, Blake. I'm going to put you on the spot. I know we didn't talk about it. You got a score for this week's game? Yeah, I think it's uh, like a 28-17 type of game for Florida winning. Okay. I'm actually, for the second week in a row, I'm predicting, I think, uh, a bigger a bigger win, bigger margin. Uh, I think I'm going to go with Florida 27-10. to 10. I think I, I, I think the defense is going to have a bounce back week. You know, I, I don't expect Granarders and Iga to be there. Uh, but I actually, I think when, when the field is wet, it kind of slows things down. Um, Typically, that you think that gives an an advantage to the offense, but I also think it keeps some of the you know the quick twitch ability out of the game, which I think is where Florida's been burned most in terms of you know fitting the run and making sure that their gap sound, particularly against quarterbacks that can run. Um, so I, I think the rain overall, assuming it pans out as the the current forecast look, I think overall that's a benefit to South Carolina. Um, but I, I just think Florida has too many answers offensively. Um, you know, Florida, Florida was really kid against LSU, man. They scored 28 points on the road, had two other drives down into the red zone where, you know, I mean, Florida could have easily scored 35, 42 against LSU. I mean, this is this is a good Florida offense that has a lot of answers. I think as long as they go in there 
and they're focused. They're ready to play right when the you know when the kick comes. I, I just think Dan Mullen and his squad. I think this is going to be one of those games where you start to realize this isn't the Florida of you know the Will Muschamp years. This isn't the Florida of the the Jim McElwain years. These are the kind of games that Florida is supposed to go in and win. And I think we're going to go. We're going to see Florida go in there and take care of business and really set up what will be a monster showdown with Georgia. I don't know. That's just the sense I have. You know, talking to the players, I mentioned it. I think on our Monday podcast. There, there was like legitimate anger for the first time over losing, you know, that I haven't I haven't always sensed from Florida when they've lost. Like a lot of times in the past couple of years, it's been they lose. But like, you know, they kind of had sensed from the outside noise how big of an underdog they were, that kind of thing. So it was like, yeah, they hated to lose, but it wasn't they weren't angry. This Florida group was pissed off to lose Saturday. They really thought they were the better team. They thought they were going to go in there and win. And you know what? Sometimes it can be good, you know, getting that. That wake-up call. I think Florida got its wake-up call against LSU, and I think you're going to see a hungry, hungry Florida team come in there on Saturday. Sounds good. I like it. All right. Well, that'll do it for this episode of the podcast, guys. You've got our score predictions. Uh, Be sure to hit the site on Fridays. We always run a lengthy matchups breakdown, so we'll kind of get even more in-depth than what we just talked about a little bit on some of these matchups. We'll let you guys know who has the edge. I will be heading up to South Carolina. I believe Bob Redman will also be heading up to South Carolina this week. So be sure to visit Swamp247.com throughout the weekend. We'll have all your Florida coverage. And we thank you guys for tuning in to this episode of the Swamp 24-7 podcast. We'll see you Sunday. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey.